0: chosen a rather unorthodox text for Good Friday tonight. When I say unorthodox, it's because it doesn't come from the Gospels, it comes from the Epistles. And it's not a text that you hear very often on Good Friday, but it's one that, as you're going to see in about three seconds, is absolutely spot-on and totally appropriate for what we are focusing on tonight In this Good Friday service. So look up here on the screen. Here's the text. It's Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14. And Paul the Apostle is reflecting on the crucifixion of Jesus, combined with thinking about our lives as followers of Jesus. And he says this And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. I uh there's two things going on in that passage that will help you kind of have two different handles to understand it and it's not complicated there's a what and a how in this passage a what and a how the what is found in verse 13 the how is found in verse 14 uh, the what is pretty straightforward and that is that all of humanity is dead in trespasses and trespasses in sin born in a state of separation from God uh, but God offers us life in his son Jesus Christ through the forgiveness of our sins Folks, that's the gospel. That's what verse 13 is there. That's the what of this passage here, that that Good Friday is all about the death of Jesus Christ, but not just some Greco-Roman death 2,000 years ago, but God's Son come to earth uh, and offering us through His death uh, life through the forgiveness of our sins. And any gospel or any explanation of Jesus that doesn't incorporate those two ideas, sin and forgiveness, just doesn't understand the gospel or the what of the gospel. About seven years ago when I first came here, uh, there was a big Super Bowl party and I went to an event to um, listen to a Christian leader uh, talk to a bunch of seekers about God and Jesus and the gospel. And he actually gave a great talk, I was with my son at that time, he was about 13, and he gave a great talk, and he talked about how Jesus can and should be our coach, and that he can make us better leaders as men, it was a men's outreach event, that he wants to be our friend, that he can heal your marriage, and that he can do all these things for you. And just about everything he said about Jesus was absolutely correct, that Jesus could provide all those things for us. And then he invited men to accept Christ based on those terms. As my son and I were driving home, I, I, I said to my son, I said, you know, did you notice anything missing at all in that presentation of, of, of Jesus and the gospel? And I was never more proud of him when he looked at me and said, yeah, two things, sin and forgiveness. And I thought, exactly right. And, and it wasn't what this guy said about Jesus was wrong. Everything he said was actually pretty good. Jesus does heal marriages. He does want to become our friend. He wants to be our cosmic coach, all of that stuff. But none of that is at all the heart of the gospel, not even close. Those are all sideshow realities that Christ will do for you or might do for you. No, the heart of the gospel is Colossians 2.13, that that all humanity is dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God from birth, and that he offers us life through the forgiveness of our sin. Our biggest problem is a sin problem, and the number one thing God wants to do for us is forgive our sin. So that's the what. Now, Let's, let, let's ramp up here tonight. Verse 14 then gives us the how. And the how here is profound because the how is said this way, by canceling the record of debt with its legal demands, this God set aside, nailing it to Jesus's cross. So latch on to what's being said there. You and I, humanity has a legal problem with God. That's that record of debt. But When we sin because God is holy, because God is good, because God can't even be in the presence of sin, when we sin, there's a problem between us and God. And it's a legal problem that has to be dealt with because God can't just turn a blind eye to sin because that would go against his character and be an affront to his character. So what does God do? God decides to deal with the legal problem by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, living a perfect life among us, going to the cross, and then bearing the sins of humankind upon himself, and then as we'll celebrate in three days, rising from the dead on Easter Sunday. And and so the way that God dealt with our sin problem, now don't miss this, is that Jesus was nailed to the cross, but then Colossians 2.14 is telling us that our debt and our sin was also nailed to that same cross. See, I don't hear a lot of Christians talk about that. We talk a lot about Jesus dying on a wooden cross for our sins, but Paul, the apostle writing Colossians here, is adding an image here, but even more than that, a robust theological truism about our sin, also being nailed to that same cross that Jesus died on. So that when you and I trust in Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in him and become followers of him, the Bible says that that appropriated uh, atonement of Jesus Christ now becomes ours and all of our sin, past, present, and future, is now nailed to that same cross that Jesus died on. And that's how God can forgive you that when you identify with Christ, when you place your faith and trust in him and his shed blood for you, God nails your sin to the cross and he says it's now gonna stay there covered by the blood of his son and the atonement, the forgiveness, which again is the what? And so how did God take you from death to life? How did he provide you forgiveness? Don't ever forget this, guys. By nailing your sin, to that cross that Jesus died on. That's how God did it. Now, I want you to think about this image of nailing for a minute. I spent a lot of time this week just kind of meditating on this image of a nail and a wood and hammer. Because not a lot has changed since Jesus' day when it comes to a nail. Jesus, as many of you know, was a, what was his trade? A carpenter. So what a great image for Paul to use here because they had nails back then. They were wooden nails, but we have a metal nail, but nails back then were used for the same purpose that they are today. And that is that nails were used for sticking and staying power, right? So when you and I nail something, whether it be a couple of boards together or drywall to a couple of studs or a beautiful hardwood floor to the supporting joists, it tends to stay there because the nail goes into the board and it sticks. You see, this is the image Paul the Apostle wants us to have here. And so I brought a board from uh, from my garage and I brought a nail here. And I'm going to hammer this nail in to show you, uh, because some of you don't ever do projects like this, and I'm going to hammer it in to show you what happens when a nail goes into a board. I was going to do this on the grand piano to give Troy a heart attack, but I'll just use my stool here. And as I hammer this nail into this board here, let's not go too far. Oops, I did. That's okay. And uh, (laughs) so I hammer this nail in here. Any of you who've done any carpentry know one thing, and that is that nail is now in there, right? Give me a head nod that you get that. That nail is in there, and and, and it's really hard to get out. You see, that's what God is saying that that, that Good Friday is about, that, that your sin that sin that has kept you from God for so many years, and even the sin that we'll talk about in a second here that, that still kind of gets you down, it was nailed to the cross of Jesus. And, and here's the point, it's not coming off. That, that's the image that Colossians wants you to have. It, it's not coming off. God sees our sin on that cross, the debt that you and I once have, and he nailed it to there, and here's the good news, he left it there. And nothing has taken that nail out. You see, that's where this human analogy might fall apart. Because you say, well, you know, hey, you had a hammer. The other end of the hammer, the claw, you could pull this nail out. Yeah, but you see, the other parts of scriptures that tell us this is that no one is going to snatch you out of Jesus' hands. Amen? Amen? Your salvation was bound up since the beginning of all of eternity. God looked ahead and chose you and knew that you would come to Christ. And so when your sin is nailed to that cross, where this image breaks down is that though you and I can humanly take a nail out of a piece of wood, though it's hard to do, God says, it's not coming out. It is staying there because of my grace, because of my forgiveness. And guys, that's what Good Friday is all about. It's about you and me getting in touch once again with the completed work of Christ on that cross on our behalf. It's about you and me tonight embracing by faith that our sin and debt is really and truly nailed to that cross. You see, I think this is eminently important. I, I, as I stood about last Sunday, there's really a couple types of Christians I confront today. There's those that I don't think feel guilty enough for their sin. <laughs> and so I spend a lot of time playing the Holy Spirit in their lives and, and saying, I think you ought to feel more guilty about that than you do. But then conversely, there's a lot of Christians that, that, that kind of have the, their right theology about the fact that, yeah, 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 Jesus Christ died for all my sins, but then they live with so much guilt. I was talking with one of my buddies this week about it. They, they, they live with so much of a weight upon them. And, and part of Good Friday's message, what the central part of it is, is that he has forgiven you. And how has he forgiven you? It's inarguable. He is na- inarguable, he has nailed your sin to his cross. So we have a really great worship arts team here. They just love to to sit around in their offices and dream about creative things we could do to worship God, like fog machines and things like that, of of how we can worship God and, and try to get in touch with spiritual reality. And I actually love what they have planned for the remainder of our service tonight. You might have noticed that when you walked in, there are 12 stations Very similar to these uh, around the worship center. There's 12 all throughout the worship center. And and what we've done is set up communion at these stations. So in a few minutes, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to get up and you're going to come and take communion. There'll be servers there to hold the elements or give you the elements. And you can do that as a family or if you're alone, just you and God or however, you can take it back to your seat or at the station. It's really your time to commune with the Lord and take the body and the blood of Christ, the symbols, the juice and the bread, and worship him during this time through taking communion. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But if you would also like, before that, they've come up with something really, I think, fascinating and wonderful. There's 12 boards like this that are also around uh, the sanctuary, at the communion stations. And there's some hammer and there's some hammers and nails. And you can see there's already some nails in this board from the previous uh, congregation, the previous service. And we're going to give you an opportunity, if you want to, before you take communion, to put a nail in this board. Why? Because I hope as you do so, you're thinking of your sin. (laughs) And even the things you're still carrying around. And even the things you think, oh, I don't know if God could ever forgive me of that. And I want you to think of that. And I want you to put this nail in here. And I want you to hammer it in hard and deep. Uh, some people didn't hammer it in very well. Or they fell off in there. bad imagery. I want you to hammer it in hard and deep so that it's in this wood just like I did. And, and as you're doing that, I want you to think of Colossians 2, that he has nailed your sin to his cross. Because then we're going to do something very special with these. We're going to bring them up here to the stage, and we're going to make a cross out of these. And you're going to see your sin, your nail, upon his cross because of what Jesus has done for you. It's actually going to be an interesting time of worship. We're going to sing to you during this time, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to sing. So we're going to ask you to go to the stations, get communion, or I'm sorry, do the nail first, then get communion, and then please get a seat, have a seat again, because we're going to then close our time together. But it's going to be an interesting time for you, because you know what you're going to hear a lot of? You're going to hear a lot of this. And it's interesting, because we never hear that in our worship time. But as you hear that, here's what I want you to be thinking of, because I almost was brought to tears last service, is that everybody who's doing that is getting in touch with Good Friday. They're getting in touch with what it might mean to have your sin nailed to a cross. And so forever, let's enjoy the sound of a hammer hitting a nail. And let's worship him now through this time. So let me pray for us, and then you just go to whatever station that's nearest you. Father, thank you for the message of Colossians 2, that we know the what of the gospel, and that's that we were dead in trespasses and sins. He made us alive together in Christ through the forgiveness that Jesus and only Jesus can offer us. And Lord, we also now know the how, and that Lord is that he took that that debt that we owed, that legal debt, that our sins somehow had to be paid for and through what jesus did for us with his shed blood he nailed it to the cross and lord some of us need to get in touch with that image tonight we've been walking around with way too much guilt we got grave clothes still on and yet we're supposed to be alive and so i pray god that as we come to these elements the, the 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 juice and the wine and get in touch with the body and blood of jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins and Lord, as we put a nail into the cross, this might be a time of worship where we get in touch once again with what you have so graciously done for us. So meet us in this time, we pray, as a congregation and individually as well, we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen.